It was just over a week ago that I was talking with a friend about some of the the challenges his church was facing. Now, like a lot of organizations and and churches in today's world, uh, the challenges that that may have existed in January or February before the pandemic hit have only been amplified by all of the challenges around COVID-19. So his church was a little bit more on edge than normal. And in a profound but, but passing moment, he, he referred to one of the more common metaphors for the church in the New Testament. And he said, why does the bride of Christ sometimes have to be bridezilla? Now, now the truth is, in, in this season as well as other seasons, the longer that you're around the church, the more that you get involved, you get a closer look at, at kind of the good and, and the bad and, and, and the ugly of the church. You learn that, that pastors aren't perfect, that the people who work in churches aren't perfect, that elders and deacons are, 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 aren't perfect, that we're all flawed and we can't avoid conflict. And you also learn that, that sometimes we forget to be kind to one another. We forget to love one another. So last week we began the series talking about our need as followers of Christ to engage in uncomfortable conversations to embrace our role as ambassadors of reconciliation in today's age of outrage. And that work begins with how we treat one another inside the church. So over the last few years, I've shared with some of you that I've long believed that the best way for today's church to witness to our world, to witness to our neighbors, and by that I mean to show tangible ways that, that we care about Jesus' message, that we value it and believe it's important to us and to everyone else, is to learn to disagree with one another in a more healthy and loving manner. It's not about ignoring our differences. It's learning to embrace them and recognizing that whatever position we hold on any issue is secondary to the belief that, that, that we truly cling to, that all people are created in the image of God. So in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is talking with his followers about how to handle conflict with one another. And he says this. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen, even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as a church, we are called to model how we should act outside of the church by living out reconciliation inside of the church. The mark of a Christian community isn't perfection. I've already kind of mentioned that. It's also not having the same opinion on everything. The mark of a Christian community is a common commitment to Christ. And the entire goal of reconciliation is restoring relationships within the body of Christ, restoring relationships and wholeness within the church. 
Now, I've shared this story with you before, but the moment I knew I was called to ministry, to be a pastor, was in the middle of a very heated presbytery meeting. I had just started seminary, and there was a a dispute between my parents' church and their pastor. I was serving as a a high school director at another church during the time, but but I knew this church very well. It was the church where I I grew up, so I, I knew folks on both sides of the dispute. A mentor of mine was moderating the, the meeting, and he opened it with a line I will never forget. He, he said this. He said, we're here tonight because we have two sides who believe that we've discerned God's will differently from one another. We're Presbyterians, so this is how we come together to make difficult decisions. Elders of the church had, had talked with the pastor. A few members of the presbytery, they were brought into the conversation. The first two steps that Jesus talked about had already taken place, and the third was unfolding. And unfortunately, the the dispute wasn't settled during that meeting, and it just continued to spin further and further and further out of control. Now, a few years later, I was coaching high school basketball in that same community, and I was talking with some of the parents of one of the kids who was on my team, and they were curious about my journey through seminary. And when I mentioned the name of the church where, where I grew up, they said, oh, you know what? You know what, Coach? We, we used to go to that church. We just got burnt out on all of the arguing, and now, you know, we don't, we don't really go anywhere. In so many ways, the way in which we disagree with one another within the church is more important than what we find ourselves disagreeing over. The way is so much more important than the what. Church history, now, it's full of splits. There's, they're, they're nothing new. But I'm deeply convinced that we do a great disservice to the gospel, to what God is aiming to do in today's world when we fail to love one another well within the church. Now, usually when we talk about Matthew chapter 18, where two or more are gathered, we're we're talking about prayer, which is, is completely appropriate. But it's also about seeking reconciliation, about finding unity, wholeness, completeness within the body. And that starts with how we we see one another, how we read or discern different situations, and with recognizing our own limits, our own brokenness, with with understanding that we all see the world a little differently. Now, it was about five years ago, there was a, a ridiculous debate that took place all over social media. Some of you might remember it. A somewhat washed out picture of a dress showed up online. And people spent hours and days debating whether this dress was was black and blue or white and gold. Now, these these silly debates, they turned into outright attacks. Some were were completely convinced that the dress looked one way and others were completely convinced it looked another. and, And they just felt crazy that others couldn't see the world the same way that they did. Now, neuroscientists actually did studies on this whole thing, and they found that it all comes down to how our individual brains perceive color. A part of how that perception is built is what we pay attention to, what we watch, what enters our brain. And a part of it just has to do with how we are wired 
in different ways. Now, in the, the passage that Pastor John read earlier this morning from 1 Peter, Peter mentions that there's really three ways we can prepare ourselves to step into uncomfortable conversations. And, and he does it within the context of recognizing that we, the church, live in a world where we don't exactly belong. So he's writing to, to exiles that, that lived in a, in a culture and in a place that didn't value the same thing that followers of Jesus valued. And he's calling them to respond in a way that's different than the rest of the world. So he says to prepare our minds for action. And I, I don't think what he means by this is to, to, to think about how we can win an argument to, to think about how we can we can fight with one another. Instead, I believe he's he's asking us to prepare ourselves to engage with those with whom we disagree in meaningful ways, to, to learn something from them while recognizing that, as I said earlier, each person, the people sitting on the other side, are made in the image of God. We have to prepare our minds to train ourselves to think that way. And then Peter takes it one step further. We have to discipline ourselves. Another translation of the Bible translated as we have to learn to exercise self-control. I know that when I'm in a heated or difficult conversation at the church, I'm at my best when I'm able to kind of step back and to, to see the big picture. And the opposite is also true. There have been times, and some of you have been a part of those conversations, where my emotions or my frustration just, just gets the best of me, and I haven't been self-controlled. This is something that, that's true both inside and outside the church, but, but in the church, we have to do better. We have to do better, a better job of exercising self-control in how we respond to those with whom we disagree both inside and outside the church, but it starts inside. We should be setting the example of loving one another even when we disagree. So preparing our our minds and exercising self-control helps us to be careful and purposeful with our our words as well as with our tone that we use when we, we, we speak. And then Peter kind of drops the hammer with, with how we conduct ourselves. He, he quotes the Hebrew scriptures and he says, Be holy, for I am holy. The most straightforward translation you can find of that word, of, of holy, is to be set apart. So when we get caught thinking that things in the church should be different than the rest of the world, it's because the Bible reminds us of that truth over and over again. It should be different for people who follow Jesus. We're called to be set apart to be different. So what would it look like if the rest of the world looked to Christians as bridge builders and ambassadors of reconciliation? What if instead of sweeping our differences under the rug here at WPC, we figured out how to, how to pull up a chair and talk lovingly and respectfully with one another? What if we actually sought out folks who who saw things differently than us in our own church instead of vilifying them or or poking fun at one another? What if we were known in the community as the church where everyone was comfortable with being just a little uncomfortable because they knew they were confident that that when they were in this community, they wouldn't be judged for their, their lifestyle, for their politics, 
for their job, for their age, for their, their race. But we, we've got all kinds of chairs and spaces to sit and talk on our campus, even in the social distance COVID world. We, we have to be intentional with creating conversations that are grounded in empathy and seeking understanding, grounded in loving one another. One of the reasons that we're going through the series is because I honestly think we can be that church. I know that we have folks who are on the right and the left of just about every issue that's dividing our country right now. I've talked with many of you about where you stand on some of those issues. And if we are going to be a community that invites all people to follow Jesus on this this journey of faith, friendship and service, as our as our vision statement says, it starts with how we engage with one another. Let's pray. Loving God, may we be a church community that's not afraid to engage with one another, that, that loves each other within our own congregation, even when we don't see eye to eye on hot button issues. Lord, help us to find a place or a chair to pull up and to actively seek out those with whom we know we disagree to just have a loving conversation. Lord, may we be ambassadors of reconciliation within our own community in order that we may be examples for the rest of the world. We pray these things in your name. Amen.